Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Robert Christensen. I'm the vice president, and I have a new role right now. I used to be the vice president of global cloud delivery for cloud technology partners for the last five years. And as of November 1st, I'm now the chief cloud strategist for our organization. <clears throat> and today, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you're all here because this is something really, really important to me, and that is your career or the teams that you may manage or influence and their careers. Uh, one of my deep, deep passions is helping all of my team members and the people and my colleagues advance to the next level. Go to that next level of whatever career they want to take. Um, I've been known to have folks come to me and say, hey, I don't see a career path here at Cloud Technology Partners for what I want to do. And I'll sit down with them, I'll look with them, and they'll say, I, I, I agree with you. And then I'll work with them and help figure out where they want to go and what better company they wanted to work with. Um, and these are deep, close friends of mine still today, and we talk about where the evolution of careers are going today. And if you're here and you're like me, you want to know what the next thing is that I should be working on in my career. And the first thing you've got to know the first thing you got to know is that you're going to be disrupting yourself. You're going to be turning over the apple cart about what you believe your career, the direction, what you're going to do with the technology that you're going to learn, what are the new skill sets you're going to be taking on. Because when you disrupt this thing, it requires a lot of risk. And what I mean by risk, and it's, it's emotional risk. You're going to be asking yourself, should I be stepping out into this new era of development for myself? Should I pay for it myself, or should I get my company to pay for it? Should I go onto YouTube and consume it that way? Should I go and spend the money and get certified on my own here at this event, like I did some five years ago? This is great, by the way. I show up here five years ago, 2013. I take the test, and I the only test they had, by the way, there wasn't even a profession, it was just the um, uh, associates, and I fail miserably. So depressed. We're gonna come rolling out of here. I paid for my own trip to AWS reInvent on my own dime. You know, I wanted to reinvent myself, and I was so scared because I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what the career was gonna be for me because the old job I had was literally evaporating underneath my feet. I could watch it happen. And so I took it again did better. <laughs> but my point is this, is that it, it was a lot of fear involved. So it takes risk to do what you're going to do. And so if you're thinking about your teams and how you're going to have your teams, you got to understand that what we're talking about here today is establishing a new career direction for the people that are going to be involved with what you're doing. So whether you're looking at your own personal benefit and what do you want to change in your life, or creating the new team dynamics whether it's in the development side and you're trying to figure out how much dev and ops I put together, whether you're trying to create an environment that allows people to get the most out of the cloud environment and that, that process that's going on, whatever that looks like, remember, remember, they're scared. At the, at the end of the day, what do I do next is always the biggest challenge. So you have to kind of give them that, that you know, technology people aren't the real lovey-dovey types, right? We just don't put our arms around people and say kumbaya, okay? Uh, we have to be mindful, though, that this is a risky thing for most people to go do, 
All right, so let's just set that groundwork. So when I joined Cloud Technology Partners, I was employee 17 in 2013, and there was none of this. There was no pathway to success. There was no DevOps person, an engineer. I mean, we had endless conversations around people putting DevOps engineer on their title. You know, what, that, what does that really mean? You know, um, all, the, all the certifications we're going to be talking about here today, none of that existed. We were literally making it up five minutes before the client asked us. Okay? And, and thank God we got a lot of it right. We did, we, we did a few things and we're not so good. Um, and, you know, we kind of fell on our face a few times. But my point is this, is that um, at the time, we were hiring VPs of infrastructure, ex-CIOs, 25-year professional services people out of, like, Accenture and Deloitte, et cetera, who wanted to be involved in the cloud. And this is 2013. And uh, I had done, been done doing two years at a company called Cloud Nation, which was a Citrix for rent on top of AWS before any of the you know, desktop as a service stuff got out of on-prem. And that was my company. I um, saw what was coming, sold it, um, and then we had launched it on AWS at the time. So you'd scan your credit card, virtually scan your credit card, and then about an hour later, all the automation would stand up all the net scalers and the Zendesk and then, uh, ZenApp stuff. And it was a great, great platform. So we kind of learned a lot then. But when we started going into professional services with Cloud Technology Partners, we had to find people like you in this audience who had two fundamental skills. And then we're going to be talking a lot about that today, all right? Two fundamental skills. Number one, a passion for this technology. Because we knew we'd have to train you. Okay, this is what you're going to be stepping into. Don't expect everybody's going to be at parity when they come walking in. This is going to be about, about um, Capability. Do you have the mindset to adopt this? Because let me, let me tell you right now, it is a dogfight out there finding people who have the skills. The reality is, is that most of you are going to go in there and saying, hey, I have the capacity to do this. This is what I've done so far. Here's what I've done on my own on top of AWS and how I'm going to, that's how you get in your, your foot in the door. So that was number one. Number two, for us, CTP, being able to talk to customers without pissing them off, okay? So uh, if you think about it, you know, a consulting job, you really can't just tell the customer they're stupid, right? You have to be a little bit more tactful about why don't you just see this obvious solution in front of you? Are you crazy? This is the best thing in the world. What's wrong with you? All right, so in a consulting world, we have these two pieces. We have to have really a lot of people skills, and a lot of technical capacity skills. And what you're going to find is that, that that people part has become significantly more relevant now. All right? Gone are the days where just having the technical skills are the most important piece. You know why? Because everybody has access to the technology now. Go back five, six years. You could easily say, you know what, I work for a big Fortune 500 company, enterprise, here's our four walls, I've been trained on all this rack stack, speeds and feeds, you know, ackles and knackles, I have all the CISO stuff under my guidance, I control it right there, you can claim it, and you can put your stake in the ground, and no one's going to take this from me, 
And that, that's the case. Not anymore. Not anymore. When a group of 25 Harvard MBAs get funded and disrupt the trading market, everybody know, you know, Robin Hood? All right? Started the whole process on their credit card? Gone are the days where the people with all the hardware are controlling the world of technology. You, in here, can disrupt the market on your own with a credit card. Okay, so what's the difference? When everybody has technology, what's the difference? The difference is how you go about using it and the people skills that are necessary to navigate and to figure out what the client needs. Okay, so in this disruption, at the end of the day, it's about automation impact. And what you mean by automation impact, people are adopting Amazon's web services primarily for one reason. One reason, speed of deployment of features or changes to software, speed. How do I respond to a market? I respond to it by continually testing the client. Is this little feature different enough so that you'd buy something more from me? Is it a better service for me? And so not every organization can handle fast releases, right? They don't have all the other processes around them to support it. Just because you've got a solid CICD and you can have the capacity to do a feature release every single day, doesn't mean the rest of the organization is prepared to handle that. There's a whole bunch of other things going on besides that little DevOps world. So if you think about what's going on here, that we have infrastructure provisioning, all the process functions, the support, the deeper insights, everything that happens, the classic IT roles that are necessary surrounding that have changed. They're becoming fewer and fewer, all right? If somebody recognizes that they can do the same support function two or three or four times in a row, you can bet your bottom dollar someone's going to write a Lambda script and put it in place, and that process will be automated. That is what's happening right now to support that resiliency of getting that out into the market space. Okay, so where are the new opportunities? So as you start thinking about this, where do you play? Think about what you know today in your career. Okay, just for a show of hands, real quick. How many people have 20 years or more IT experience in this room? Exactly, that's exactly what I thought. You're all about, you're probably a lot younger than me. Um, today, if today, if you are in that space, okay, this is like what it was when the PC industry started making the flip, right? But this is substantially larger. I want to say it's like when the internet started booming, substantially longer, this larger. This is the first time that developers are able to control the full stack from CPU, networking, storage, services, et cetera, all the way up to their application code. I was a C developer for 13 years. Let me tell you, one of the biggest things I hated about my job was not being able to get enough resources when I needed them, okay? I was restricted to whatever they could afford or give me. If I had the ability back then, when I was doing C development back on Borland, um, it would have changed the world. I would have had such a different experience. That's the case today. All right, so here we go. So, 
little bit about where the market's headed, right? Now, this is off Gartner. 2% of all new work and is non-cloud. This is all on-prem. So if you're in the on-prem world right now, if you happen to be in that space today, you understand what I'm talking about. 2% growth going on right now on on-prem. Let's uh, talk about what happens. There we go. This room, this, this, this place, 25%. I think that's conservative. So if you see advertisements for new positions on Indeed or locations on uh, new stuff on LinkedIn, et cetera, you can bet somebody's got their eye on the 25% growth space, not the on-prems growth space, okay? So let's be clear on that. Where's the growth? It's here. It's in this building. It's in this area. 50,000 people here are to talk about technologies in that growth space. Okay. So this list came from LinkedIn this year. This year, these are the top jobs being advertised by quantity worldwide. And then all the ones in red are those that are, you could directly tie a link to the hyperscaler cloud platforms, specifically AWS. So the top one, the number one, number one, cloud and distributed computing. Be more specific, anybody who can write cloud formation code today and understands how to build a landing zone on AWS is a rock star in the hiring space today. If you're a manager, you are looking for these people. I, as the person who's been involved with hiring and bringing on new people into cloud technology partners and Hewlett Packard now, we're been, we were acquired by them a year ago. This is our number one spot. We cannot find enough of these folks. If I had to give you advice on anything career development, learn to write Terraform cloud formation scripting. Learn it. Practice it. Get the free account on AWS. Write code. Figure it out. If you're not a coder and it scares the heck out of you, remember that first slide, taking a risk? Go onto YouTube and just literally go line by line and practice it. Figure it out. Let me tell you, it is the single one skill set everybody's looking for. Cross the board. Okay, so you can see the other things. Like, So my daughter, she goes to Berkeley and she's studying mathematics with a emphasis in big data. And I showed her this one, and so number eight, as you can see, is a big is a data piece, but then I go, hey, look at number three, data mining, right? You start going across over there, number 13, uh, data engineering and warehousing. You can start seeing the proliferation of data, but she has to have scripting knowledge, Python, Terraform to get the infrastructure underneath so that she can actually put the applications together to go do this stuff. So I've been coaching her on how she can be most valuable coming out of college with this stuff. Okay, the one I like the most about there up there is um, number 24, automotive parts, services, design. I thought that was awesome, right? You know, thank God I got a good mechanic because I didn't know there's a shortage coming up here. All right. Let's go to the next one here. So this was the other side. This is a side of the same coin. Remember I talked about it earlier? What were the skill sets you're going to need to be effective in the market space? Check this out. So we have a Doppler Live event. So be on the lookout for Doppler Live. This is the uh, shameless plug here real quick. 
This is a Doppler. We publish this every quarter. But weekly, we have articles coming out. And we absolutely, if you have a, a voice and you have an opinion and stuff like that, it's a platform for industry professionals to publish. It's not just free CTP. You know, although all of our technical people who want to publish, this is commercial free. There are no commercials in there. There's no advertisements. This is opinionated, which means they have an opinion and they say this is what we believe works. It's a great place to, you know, to actually get your voice out. So what we did is in a Doppler event, we have a um, series of panelists. And I was up in Calgary about three or four weeks ago for an oil and gas panel. Now we had um, a fairly large oil and gas company. We had an airline company that was up there who just happened to be in the area. I said, hey, would you like to join us? And they said, yeah. And so we had a couple others. And I asked a question. When you're looking for technical folks, specifically in the cloud migration, cloud net new development area, if you're looking for building out a, a solid DevOps practice, what are the key things you're looking for, technology or people like that? They skipped right past the technology. They didn't even ask, talk about that. You know what the number one thing they wanted to, to know about? Uh, the number one thing that they wanted to talk about was the person's ability to cooperate with other, system, other people's teams, specifically in a dev and an ops practice. An operational person who understands networking, who understands data security, who may know how to know how to um, put in the right uh, ACLs and NACLs and security groups for the, for the landing zones of an AWS platform. Can they go to a, a developer community and say, you need to tell me how your application works so I can put the right infrastructure underneath it and I can educate you on what you need to do so that you don't break the infrastructure and we have high availability, redundancy in the cloud and have a better application experience. That cooperation, the ability to actually sit knee to knee, eyeball to eyeball and have a conversation was their number one thing that they looked for and I said, well, how do you go about doing that? How do you find that out? And the first thing they do across the board was we tended to take people throughout the whole building and started putting them in front of all the developers and stuff that are looking for an infrastructure person and see if they struck up conversations. So look out for this little technique, this interview technique. So if someone comes in and says, hey, what's your name? Ryan. What's that? Ryan. Hey, Ryan. So Ryan's going to come and interview with me, right? And the first thing I'm going to do with Ryan is I'm going to drag him over here and have him just start introducing to 10, 15, 20 different people and see how he responds. Is he stiff? Does he not talk to anybody? Does he stand back? Does he put his hands in his pocket? Notice my thumbs are in my pocket. This is a body language that literally means I have no hands to help you. So just make sure you put your thumb out, okay? All right. <laughs> Seriously, this is the stuff they're looking for. These are CIOs, CTOs, executives who are looking for people skills over technology skills. This is what's happening in the marketplace today, okay? All right. Okay, so now we're gonna get into some probably the stuff that you really wanted to hear about instead of Robert Christensen preaching up here about what it is that you need to do and changing, your, changing how you present yourself to the market space. Okay, the first thing, that we're gonna do here, let me get it rolling, there we go. These are called skill zones. 
and I, I uh, liked how Gartner talked about zones of skills and what they are. So the first top layer is about leadership. So if you're a leader in here, if you happen to be, have a, a management, you're in a management role or you're influencing folks, or if you're from the L&D team and you're in here and you're trying to figure this out, the first layer here is for about people and, strate and strategy. How are you communicating this, this set of knowledge about cloud enablement, cloud movement, migration, innovation to the rest of the organization? This education, by the way, is critical. And, and also, very few organizations, and this is a shameless plug for HPE and CTPs, that we train on this stuff. We absolutely help leaders communicate better the story, the narrative about why cloud, the economics, how to get people on board, what are the roles and responsibilities, what's the structure going to look like now when I'm starting to bring my teams together and knock down silos. It's very important to understand what that looks like. The next layer down is all about the data and the security. And we put this in this structure because data has gravity. So wherever you create your lake of data, that's where most of the applications are going to live. Latency and just the ability to keep things less complex will force you to have your applications more closer to your data. That means security is going to be at a heightened level. You want to make sure that your, no one gets at that data. That's not supposed to. And so the second very close uh, uh, position that is in high demand right now is around security. Understanding what a hybrid cloud model looks like from security is really important these days. A hybrid model is what's really going on. Okay, it's not exclusively all public cloud. Some organizations are that way as if you're born in the cloud group, but most companies have to have a position on security, whether it be on-prem or in the public cloud. I'll make, a, make sure that you all understand we have two microphones here. Um, and if you have a question, feel free to come up and ask me, and I will tell you as honest as an answer as I can about what's going on in the marketplace with, with training and enablement and what people are doing. All right, next one. Now, from there, how do we build out new applications? The applications around cloud-native structures, code pipelines, building out um, tool chains that are supported. How do we do it in a secure way? And how do we link those practices together? That's what DevOps is, is it's a practice. It's not a thing. It's a practice of communicating with each other so that those people can build new applications that are cloud native based. Now, think about it. There's not a whole lot of people out there writing net new applications for on-prem hardware. Most people are writing net new applications in the cloud. This is like a, an overwhelming amount. So if you had to pick where you were going to specialize net new application builds, whether you're helping on the infrastructure side, the resiliency side, or where you're actually on the application side itself, that's where the money's going to be. It's where that growth is going to be. And then finally, not to be overlooked, uh, there are a lot of applications moving to the public cloud. A lot of applications are making their way. How do you look at refactoring these things, the techniques? How do you bring the migration techniques in place? What's the cost models involved? 
How do you maximize the operational excellence that goes on? Think about the problem at hand. If you are taking 10 to 20% of your estate today, let's say you have 500 applications, you're going to move 100 of them to AWS. That might be 2,500 servers with three petabytes of data, round numbers. If you were to do that, you have a dilemma. How do I maintain an operating model where I have optics on both, where I have a common governance uh, framework? How do I put my arms around both? And more importantly, how do I have people or education to know how to deal with both? Right? There's a bunch of problems around this. This is going to require people who understand how that works. You, all of you in here, are going to have to understand how that works. And then have the flexibility and the confidence to step into that role and say, I'll take responsibility for it and I'll figure it out. This is the risk part, right? It's the risk. Okay, and the last piece around this, this is the part that's really interesting. They're all interconnected. This is the thing that's been overlooked in the marketplace up to this point that we have discovered at CTP while talking to clients like you that their cloud programs may be having a little bit of stall to them sometimes. They may be having some obstacles they didn't expect. It's because the interdependency relationships between all of these, you can't have a conversation about net new development of applications without understanding what the strategy is or having the right training model in place or what the economics are or what the operational model is going to look like. They're all connected. So if you are a technology person who's doing infrastructure builds, you're going to be part of the code base, let's say you write a bunch of Terraform script, and that code base comes in place, if you don't have a view on economics right now, the CFO will suddenly get a big fat bill and they're going to go, whoa, shut that thing down, which we have seen more times than I like to count, because the person who wrote the scripting in the code and the platform and the provisioning wasn't thinking about the cost. Really, really challenging. So you have to, yes, sir. So his comment was uh, thank you for putting the biggest one last, and the choke points are right there. Did I get that right? Yep, absolutely. So that bottom left, that bottom right corner, right? It's all about running and maximizing your cloud environment in a way that makes economic sense and connect all those folks, right? So having that, having that visibility that, 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 that this is the piece I want you to come away with today. This relationship here is the most important part, that interconnected one, that little card, that green card you have, if you flip it over, it has this picture on it. This is where you will decide what you want to specialize in, but remember, have your eyes open for everything else because it's going to matter. It's going to matter. Okay. All right. So, let's give some examples. AWS has a concept of a landing zone. If you're not familiar with a landing zone, it's automation that creates the equivalent of the core common services every data center provides to an application. We'll talk about those. There's a group of them. We've been doing this for about five years now, helping people create landing zones, what was previously called a minimum viable cloud or an MVC. Now, when you start, 
there's got to be somebody who puts together all of the requirements around the cost model, the applications are going to be running. What is the, the, the framework we're going to be doing? What's the security going to look like? And they have to gather it. Somebody in this room is going to have to do that. Those are your architects, typically. But there's also business people involved as well. What's the economic model look like for it? Then, here are all the common services. So down that blue section right there where it says accounts and networks and PCSs and continuous integration, loggering, these are all the core services that every central IT team puts together that they deploy as a service to the developers, right? So when you take out a server, you, check, you pull off a, a server, let's say a, a RHEL 7 whatever, happens to be on the, in, your, um, in your library today, and you're pulling it out and you start doing coding on it, it has all this stuff attached to it so that when the developer starts lighting something up and starts using it, encryption's already in place. Identity is already in place. The network and the logging and monitoring is already in place. All these things are in place so to keep the developers safe. Now, somebody's got to do all that, right? Again, people. Once you've done that, you select the components, you may have to go back and add more components that are particular to that application. Then, once they've sorted all that out on that landing zone, you have to put them into all sorts of prod, pre-prod, dev, test, et cetera. Then, you have to put it to the specific market you're dealing with. Media and entertainment. Uh, you may have to deal with specific compliance rules around federal and global data sovereignty issues. You have all sorts of ancillary things that have nothing to do with the cloud itself, but it has a lot to do with your business. So you gotta deal with that. And then finally, the operating model. How are you gonna run this thing? The tools, the operation, et cetera. So if you think about if you're in here, and you want to plan for training, this is a good place to start. How do I get the basic roles around this? How do I start putting this together? And if you're thinking about your own personal career, and what, what, what you want to do, find a space to sit in here. If you want to go one level up and kind of be a hired gun, a freelancer, get educated across the board on this stuff, have solid scripting skills, solid. Let me tell you, there's some hired guns out there today in the market space that are killing it right now. Knowing how to script and this stuff and building these platforms, okay? All right, there we go, new talent roles. All right, so let me tell you about an example of a client we've worked with. Now, I think it's way more than 5,000 um, EC2 instances on AWS right now. They uh, have a 24 by seven, 365 operational center, highly automated self-healing, every time they find something that happens over two or three or four times, they write some code for it, they execute the code on basic, and to handle the, the, the problem, something falls over, they find out why it falls over, they write code to heal it, to make sure it comes back live again. The fully leveraged CI-CD process, they release code releases every day. It's a large revenue generator for this particular company, it's a large uh, consumer um, uh, credit company. And the automation, security, all of their security, the, the core pieces of their security is automated, okay? So they use key, they use key um, ISV vendors that are part of the AWS ecosystem, like you know, uh, Dome9, I believe, is one of the people that they use to help control the environment. You know, Trend Micro is a key piece like the IPS, IDS, et cetera. The full team, 
Full team's 18 people. That means six people per shift, 365 days a year, on something that is 5,000 EC2 instances. Now, can you imagine trying to have 18 people run a full data center from support through maintenance, through um, electrical, to racking and stacking, to pulling out the drives, et cetera? You just couldn't do it. I mean, the economics wouldn't even be close. That should give you a sense, just scope-wise, what automation has done, what probably took 100 people to do, now takes fewer than 18. So this, this is coming. Be ready for it, okay? All right. So these are the key technology domains that are impacted. We're getting more deeper now. As you start recognizing some of these tasks, these, some of these functions that are happening in your space, you ask yourself, where am I? What should I learn in these areas? I originally put this, pro this um, presentation together and tied a whole bunch of AWS services to each one. Um, and I <laughs> quickly made it into a serious eye chart. So I'm going to ask you, if you, you can take this. Uh, I think this presentation will be available on video. Be, grab one of these. Look up, type in AWS and that piece, and there's a, a, a list of the services that it will be associated with it. Yes, sir. Can you turn the volume up on him? Go ahead. Quick question on the last slide. Hey, that works. Uh, that was 18 people, right? So that's a that's a day-to-day -day ops. So my question on that is that wasn't 18 people that got them to that, right? So what I found, I work right. on an SRE team, and what I've found is that there's an upfront cost to automate something. So let's say I have a process, like what you said, something you do three or four or five times um, that may take me 10 minutes to do that. But if I want to automate that, that's maybe a couple hours of scripting, right? So that's a, an end state. Or did they actually have those same people automate all of that up front? So it's an evolution? Yeah. OK, so they, you can't just like, you know, be like Elon Musk and switch it all the way to 11, right? You know, it doesn't work like that. Um, there is an, iter an iterative process. So what these folks did was had an initial team, what you're talking about, and they had identified, and they pulled a bunch of stuff off a of Git that was available for them to have basic scripting. So they told down like 15 or 20 basic functions that they found on Git that allowed them to put the fundamentals together. And then the team cooperated with each other. And this team writes scripts, OK? So as they see things, they write scripts to put that in place and to continue on. And they have a governance framework around the scripts check in and check out of what they need to do. They have to control it in the release. They have a cab, basically, around that. Okay. Did I answer your question? Yeah, that's right on. Thank you. OK, Appreciate you got it. it. Any other questions? OK, great. OK, so again, if you find something up here, these are the primary core services that are being impacted today. Every larger organization that we have worked with has this set, or maybe larger, I'm sure there's others, but this is the core set that we often work with them and help educate their people on what they need to do next in these areas. Okay, so we're on to the recommendations. Now, I'm going to share with you uh, Robert Christensen's opinions and then what we're seeing also out in the market space. And then um, there's a few CTP, HPE people around wearing these shirts coming to our booth and we can get a lot more, um, have a lot more conversation around what's available out there in the marketplace today for you to, to do. There's 
three um, booths out there as well on the floor that will, that will be able to give you some insights and directions. Okay, here we go. So, um, you have to know what's going on in your organization. That means that if you are not the lead dog in this thing, you may not have visibility into what's actually happening in your organization. Show of hands, who has a formalized training program right now today in their organization? Okay, perfect audience, thank you. All right, this is exactly what I was hoping for. Right. How many here, show of hands, have know and feel comfortable that executive management knows what they're doing in the cloud? Okay. <laughs> All right. How many here feel that they have a general idea that you're heading in the right way? Okay. All right. All right. So we're, so, so we're between formulating what this is going to look like and actually having executive management support it. Agreed? Okay. So there's the problem. Because if the executive management doesn't have a vision and a path, there's not going to be any education going on formally in your organization, all right? There's going to be a bunch of POCs and um, a lot of tests going on, a lot of dev going on, a lot of spend going on with no results, all right? So if you are responsible for bringing this into your organization and you don't know how to educate your people, come see us, okay? We'll be happy to help you there, but there's a lot of resources online, a lot of resources to help you bring this stuff together. Um, if you don't know what that looks like and you want to just kind of evaluate your own thing, on this card, the green one that you have here, is a website URL where you can just basically take a survey. Ask yourself, how am I doing? How's our organization doing? And if it's just you that you're concerned about, you don't want to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, your organization's moving too slow and I'm here in this room to figure out how to save my career. Okay, I've been there. Um, Take the test anyways, take the, take the survey, and learn where you can improve your area that's gonna make a difference in your world, okay? Your children's uh, education funds, your retirement, it all depends on you staying relevant here, okay? Good. All right, so learn the vision. You gotta get involved with the vision. If there's no vision, bring a vision. Here, here's the thing here. This stuff we're working on right now, is still in flux. How to do public cloud in the enterprise is still in flux. Remember, we have 35 years of IT prior to us, 40. Yeah, we got, we got some ITIL stuff, we've got some cabs that we gotta do, we got boards we gotta do, we got basic CISO you know, governance, risk and compliance, we got audit going on, we got government agencies with all sorts of three-letter acronyms that we gotta pass for an audit. That's all history, right? None of that, at any depth, has happened on the, on the cloud, okay? So if someone says they got the answer, you need to be a little skeptical. You need to ask yourself, what's right for our organization? What's right for us? How do we do this that's gonna make it sense for our organization to fit our culture? Just because you got a great Ferrari car doesn't mean you know how to drive it. Okay, you gotta learn, you gotta figure it out. Okay, so get involved with that. Raise your hand and get involved. So, um, 
I have to say one of the things that I've always liked um, about this industry is that you can self-define. As an IT person, you can self-define. You can, you know, init yourself, if you would, right? You know, you can say, I am now this person because I've learned this. And there's nothing more dramatic in the world than IT about that. You literally are defined by the, the technology that you work in. So you need to raise your hand. If you do not have the skill sets necessary to do this, raise your hand and go start banging on the table and say, hey, I want to learn this stuff. If you are a leader, you need to go to your leaders and say, we need a program. Because without a program, you don't have a cloud program. Without a training program, you don't have a cloud program. Because you can't hire your way into this, folks, by the way. It's too darn expensive, too expensive. The top people out there today are really expensive. And you know, we, we struggle with it, right? We can't hire people at that level, so we're training from in the time. So the only way that we can help our clients is to bring trained up people. So raise your hand. This is important, volunteer. Go learn something and bring it back in. All right. Pick a service area. So we talked about that, right? People, remember that the, the side of the card here? This card? Pick a service area. Decide where you want to specialize first. Do you want to be a strategy person? Do you want to go help L&D, learning and development over in HR? Literally a group that's feeling completely left out in the cold right now, by the way. Every time we get L&D in the room, they literally look at us and go, can you tell us what we need to do? They, they, and, they, and they say, we got money, we just don't know what to do. Right? So what do they go do? They go get lynda.com and throw it up on a website and say, you got a training program, there you go. Man, if someone's done that to you, run the other way. Seriously, how are you expecting to stitch together 4,500 videos and things together and try to come up with a cl cloud training program on that? You can't. How do you stitch together YouTube videos in a way that's going to make sense for your career? You can't. Okay? All right. Pick a domain. Next one. Learn the code. I know you don't want to hear that. I got out of coding because I, did, I didn't want to code anymore, but it looks like I'm back into it again, right? Okay. Um, learn how to script. Hands-on keyboard people today are the most relevant. Let me give you one more. Everybody know who Warren Buffett is, right? Warren Buffett says if you learn one thing and one thing only, it will double your earning capacity for the rest of your career. Anybody remember what that was? Anybody know? Public speaking. Being able to stand in front of people and teach. Number one thing. If you learn the code and then learn to teach it, you become very important to the organization. You now are the person that gets to go around and teach everybody. It's good stuff, okay? So, learn the code. Scripting languages. Right now, the big scripting languages today are CloudFormation, Python, Terraform. HashiCorp has a booth over there. Go find out what that's about. What, 
How you doing, Matt? Yuri? I didn't see you sitting there. All right. He was one of the guys that was in our group here to learn all this stuff. Now he's gone off and he's conquering the world. Good to see you, man. All right. Uh, get involved with your own learning path. All right, so this is about owning your own path. Um, unfortunately, I just don't think there's enough room in the, in the system anymore for people to help define your learning path for you. Today's world is such that you have to own it yourself. You're going to need to get involved. Instead of waiting for someone to bring you this stuff, you're going to have to step out into the world and start discovering. This is that risk part I talked about. You're going to need to own your own learning path. What is meaning owning your own learning path? Is understanding how your organization relates to those eight domains that I talked about earlier on this card here. Pick one, then go discover the learning paths that are important for you. When you do that, identify what you want to be an expert in, and then start learning the stuff around it that will contribute to your expertise. You're here at AWS's reInvent show. They had 1,400 new features and changes releases this year. There's no way we can get it onto one little card. All right? So you're going to have to do some ownership, discover your own path. What does that really mean? How's that going to work? This should give you a good roadmap. Okay. Meetups are the best for this stuff right now. I can't think of any other place where you're going to be able to find people like-minded who have already discovered what to do with their careers, how they've already started stuff up. We did a um, uh, presentation for a, a, a C I can't talk about the name of the company, but it was a global CIO. And we did a panel. And I asked them, how did they get their program up and going? And he said, well, we had some early hand raisers who said, I want to get involved and I want to run the training program. And this is a global company that has a huge, huge, uh, multi-billion dollar IT budget globally. And this cloud team started based on three people who raised their hand that says, I want to be leading the education charge. They were hand raisers. They took ownership for their own future. They started getting involved. They knew what the vision was going to be looking like. And they started meetups in their local area. Now, this group now has become the, the nation's, Calif uh, the California, excuse me, um, United States, number one meetup for AWS education, learning, et cetera. They're down in Florida. In your area, there are meetups. How to get this done? It's a good place to start. If there's none in your area, create one. Bring like-minded people together and start learning from them. This is where I say having your own place to go and taking charge of your own environment and your own, your own career. And then invest the time and experiment. You have availability of free resources. Get online, create new accounts, start spinning stuff up, start crashing stuff. Nothing like breaking stuff and not knowing how it works for you to learn, right? Lots and lots of free videos out there that you can do to just get going. But more importantly, the community that you create around yourself will help. Okay. All right, now, if, you have, if you're not familiar with this, this is AWS's um, certification path. So here's the thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm very proud of this fact. Every one of these competencies, cloud technology partners was side by side when AWS set the standards for the certification processes, as well as the competencies for the premier partners globally. 
So if there was a DevOps practice competency, Cloud Technology Partners, the teams that we worked with and my teams, were part of that first day one, what do you think CTP, should we do it this way or that way? And the AWS teams have always come to us and say, hey, we're thinking about a new competency, security, operations, sysops, a DevOps competency, application development competency. We've been with them from day one when they only had one certification. So I'm happy to say that we, in our organizations, we have hundreds and hundreds of people who are certified in these areas, and we absolutely put the pedal down for their training. We say, get your certs, get these things. So this is the path they follow. Most of them want to get to the pro, the pro level. Let me tell you, pro level people know their stuff. They get what this is about, they understand it, and they're highly connected in the ecosystem. AWS certified pros are, it's a tough test. It is no, no light duty, it is a tough test. But it's worth it, it's worth it, okay? Any questions on this? Basically what I'm telling you is, is what is CTP looking for when we're hiring people, right? Yes? How do I keep our people? <laughs> um, so we, this is a good point. So uh, when we were hiring all these people, let me tell you, we were, all of our folks, as soon as they stuck the AWS certified on their LinkedIn, right? You might as well just give a big sign out there to the recruiters to start bombing your phone or sending you emails or finding you or something like that because that's what happened. As soon as that happened, daily calls, right? We had, for three years in CTP, less than 4% turnover in a rocket economy like that. People could have easily gotten 30, 40, 50% more money than we were willing to pay. We're paying, we're paying pretty decent, but a lot of these folks were coming in with these big, big checkbooks trying to pull our key people out. And I've always advocated this one thing for people. Find out what they want to do and then help them do it, no matter what. If I came to you and say, you tell me your biggest dreams in life. What do you want to do to be fulfilled as a man? What do you want to do with your career? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And I will dedicate myself as a executive and the leader of the organization that you're in to helping you achieve that. Now, that may not be in CTP. That may be in another company. But I'll help you make that happen. And because of that dedication to their career, their life, their personal well-being, how they think about themselves, they never left. They, never, they would never go. They wouldn't even think about leaving. Okay? And that's how we maintain such a very, very low turnover is that we had a community inside CTP that was so dedicated to the people and their personal well-being that, that we said, if we just took care of them at a very, very visceral, personal level, it's almost a spiritual level, right, that says, I believe in you, and I want nothing but the best for you, no matter what. And that might mean leaving home. They, they stuck around anyway. They wouldn't even take the calls. You know, it was amazing. 
That wasn't the case when we were acquired by HPE, okay? People didn't want to work for a big company. They liked the autonomy of a small company. They wanted to be in a 250-person company. And when they would come to me and they say, hey, I don't, think I, could I don't think I fit here. I said, okay, how can I help you? How can I help you make a transition to something that's gonna work for you? And let me tell you something, all those people, all those people will pick up the phone, email me, I see them at these trade shows, I, I see them all the time around. You know, but we lost only a small portion of the folks because of that bond that we have as a community that I truly love the people I work with. That's how you keep people. It's not what technology you're going to give them. It's not how you pay them because they can always get more money, especially in this space, folks, especially in this space. So this is a leadership quality. If you want to read a book about leadership and how that works like this, Great books by John Maxwell. It's called The Five Levels of Leadership. Look it up. It's a great book. And if you're not a leader, it's a good thing to learn on your own to see if your leaders are doing it. Okay? So you can judge them. All right. Hope that answers your question. Okay. All right. Here comes the HPE CTP part. So we have a practice called talent enablement. It's a guy right here. Richard, raise your hand. Right there. He heads it. That's the guy right there. And Richard um, and I and some others uh, working with the global HPE uh, EDU team. Did you know that Hewlett Packard Enterprises is the largest technology trainer in the world? They train more people than anybody. I had no idea. <laughs> and so we've teamed with them and their global reach. So if you have people in APJ or in EMEA or in South America, North America, and you're trying to get a cloud program globally, you couldn't pick a better partner to deliver global training at the stuff I was talking about here. So what you saw on here is what this practice is about. It's about building that leadership group, that team to get this out in the market space today. Nobody in this, in this whole show is doing this this way because we've learned through five to seven years of cloud, public cloud professional services that you have to have a holistic training or uh, practice that covers all the bases. You can't just pinpoint one thing and train on that one thing, all right? Okay, so this is how we do this. So basically we start with a cloud one-on-one, -on -one, right? Just getting everybody up to speed. So if you happen to be the engineering team, you already understand cloud, but you've got a whole bunch of people who don't even understand what an EC2 instance is or understand what's the difference between a public or a private cloud. You gotta get them up to speed. So there may be a group that does that. The next one is, all about economics. Let me give you an example. We got a few minutes. Okay. This is a Samsung 7 or whatever it is, right? I used to have the one that blew up, right? You know, I love that thing. There was a note, right? It would get hot in your pocket, right? And uh, I would not give it back because I love the dang product so much, okay? And then the, you know, stupid airlines made me give it back and they wouldn't let me bring it on the plane, all right? So uh, I had to turn it in. But, Think about everything I need to know to run this. Everything, okay? Uh, go back five, seven years. There's so many new things on here, features that I need to know as a consumer. I don't need to know, I don't, I don't need to be Verizon. I don't understand how cell sites work, right? I don't, I'm not, think about AWS as the, as the cell provider, right? They're the big system that everybody attaches to. But if you don't know how to operate this thing right, you get big fat bills, okay? like the one I got when I went over to Europe and didn't get a data plan the right one, 
Okay? Duh. Should have figured that out. Didn't know. It wasn't that I wasn't smart. I wasn't capable. I just didn't know. Right? If I don't connect to the Wi-Fi correctly, if I don't use my Bluetooth correctly, if I don't optimize my phone and keep the right applications on here, something like that, this thing is a devastating, terrible device. Someone's calling me. Okay? <laughs> that, um, that can really create havoc in my life, my family, et cetera. So you've got to understand the economics, right? You've got to understand how you're dealing with this system. So when you roll out your cloud platform and you give it to people the ability to consume this platform, if you don't have the governance and the rails around the racetrack around the economics and the education on how to do this, you are heading for monster bills. And let me tell you something, nothing stops a cloud program faster than ROIs that don't match what people promised. Okay? Number three, governance and controls. This isn't about coding. This is about how do we put the guardrails around behaviors. We went to an organization, big one, and they said, hey, we think we've got some problems with just basic governance, what we call hygiene. And we said, okay, so we're going to let loose a couple things. So we did a little sniffing around in their platform. We found 1,500 orphaned EBS volumes. 1,500. Not to mention what that cost. No one knew, the problem was no one knew what was in them. EBS volume is a basically attached storage, right? And when you have orphan volumes, that means there's no server connected to it. So no one knew what they were. What happened was is the developers would kill the instance but leave the storage sitting there because they might need that particular server image to go up for the next time. And what ended up happening? They got a big-ass bill, excuse me, big bill, <laughs> all right? <laughs> That um, was unexpected, and more importantly, the CISO flipped out. What's in those is what the question was. So just a simple thing like that, making sure that you don't have orphaned EBS volumes, or at least the des designation around an EBS volume about what it's for, simple stuff. That's governance, okay? So you've got to educate around that. Application, uh, uh, application the uh, readiness for an application to go to the cloud. What that means is being able to know when you're going to go to the cloud with an application and why. You don't need to be a super cloud expert, but you better be able to spot, do I have the right device, the right thing to connect to it? Is it the right application that's going to go to the cloud? Does it make sense? Your teams need to know that. Then uh, exactly the, the platforms, we talked about the platforms and tools, and then obviously roles and responsibilities. If you were, I forgot your name again. Right, so if he's on the dev side and I'm on the ops side, where's the dividing line between what I'm gonna do and what you're gonna do? If we don't have that figured out, I'm gonna blame you every time the system comes down, right? Because you wrote bad code, which I know, because I can just look at you, you're a bad coder, right? <laughs> I know, same thing you said back to me, right? <laughs> you're a terrible ops guy, you don't know the difference between an ACL or an ACL. All right, okay. So, that's it. I hope you've really enjoyed this. Please, please, please do a survey. Thank you so much for your time.